Hello and welcome to the Hardball Gets podcast. This is the AFLW Takeover and this is an emergency pod. We've rung the siren. Not not the AFL siren. We've rung another sort of, you know... An emergency siren. An emergency siren. And we've got the gang back together because there's been some massive news out of the AFLW in the past 24 hours on Monday. Fremantle coach Trent Cooper, one of our two local mentors, was sacked, um, well, offered, not offered a new contract after the disastrous season. The Dockers have just, um, you know, been through only three wins for the year, but still he's steered them to four finals campaigns in his five seasons at the helm, had them in a prelim final in literally April earlier this year, but apparently it all wasn't enough to see him hold his position at Fremantle. Amy, let's let's kick things off with you. You probably are most familiar with Trent having spent a few years under him as an assistant coach. What do you what did you make of the news? Um, yeah, I was pretty shocked actually. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, hard to take considering you know they did have a real bad run with injuries and um, probably didn't go as well in the draft as they probably had hoped for this season and probably had a few hiccups in off-season as well between seasons so um they're challenges but um I yeah I was definitely um shocked that he had um been sacked but um yeah that's football clubs aren't they they're pretty ruthless yeah I was one thing that I looked at as well and I've been reading across different forums and just trying to get I guess a lens of, of what people but mainly feel. the West Australian yeah 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 obviously I said reading at the start <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the things that like struck home for me was yeah he 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 took over when it was two years of second last type positioning for mm. Frio finals 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 and a bad year and with all the circumstances we we're just mentioning and I, I I thought about it as well and I thought and even last year's draft they were effectively shut out of it wiped out because mm. of West Coast Eagles and the concessions that go to them so there was lots that went towards the results this year. I have no problem with people being held accountable for the results this year. I guess I was just surprised because I didn't see the the hammer hanging over his head for already. And Maybe one more year. Yeah, the one the one bad year is the sample size we're working off. But mm. the Fremantle have said as well, which I, I don't know if I agree with, to be honest, but they've said that we didn't factor in past performance into this decision and it was a decision Only future. Made remotely um, based on this one season. I, I found that really strange, to be honest, that you wouldn't factor in what someone has done for your club and the relationships he's built. Yeah. I also saw something, and Cottage, you were involved in the the company for, for a while, the organisation for a while, but referring to their strategic plan, which is to have a, a premiership in AFL men's and AFLW by 2023. 2025, Five. sorry. Five. 2025. Plus two. Yeah. <laughs> so even even referencing that, it, it's quite a pressurised situation when it's... So who's coming in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I also I also worry about for who the head coach is going to be, how um, that is going to affect any results. Um, I think it's great having a strategic plan and that for a football club, but uh, we still continue to compare and they're just completely, still completely different competitions. And I think we need people inside those clubs that have lived and breathed AFLW as women's football um, rather than looking at it from a men's lens um, and then sort of saying, oh, we, we need to do it like this because it worked here. I think they're two completely different things. And I think 
although we want the same pay and we want the same conditions, we still have to see it in a different scope. Um, and that's what I worry about. Like, I don't think a head coach is going to change that. I think it's the people around that head coach and the people in the uh, facility and in the management that need to have that niche or that nous for women's football. And um, until that changes, I, I don't know. I just, that's what I worry about the most. So one thing that I wasn't sure about, and, and Cotters and, and Eliza, you could probably actually shed light on this to me, does, was Trent working full-time in the, the role as head coach? Because I know cricket went through this where they created full-time athletes, but the coaching system wasn't full-time. So they had to disconnect immediately as to how they could resource and how they could run the program. So they had to reconnect that back in. And then other states have full-time coaches and part-time athletes. Mm. And again, the coach is sitting there in the office with going, I don't see my athletes. I can only see them two hours after work. Is there still a disconnect in AFLW on those grounds? I'm fairly certain that he was still doing relief teaching um, at, in some of his seasons as head coach, which is remarkable to even think that someone who's mm. got such an important role as a football club is still trying to fit in hours at, at high school and do relief teaching. But, Amy, I'm not sure whether that changed this year. It did, yeah. The last couple of seasons he has been full-time, as far as I'm aware. Um, obviously, his hours during off-season do change, Um because during the season he's obviously um, there longer, so his hours just sort of reflect that as a full-time sort of salary. I, as far as I'm aware, he was for the last couple of seasons sort of in that full-time basis. And but before that, before that became a thing, he definitely was um, doing that relief teaching in the off seasons to sort of pick up those couple of days a week that he wasn't getting on a full-time basis. And let's just go through a bit of the process of how this came to be. So obviously you had the on-field results, which um, you, you have to say played a part in what's unfolded yep. over the past 24 hours. But what interests me is also the greater timeline in that literally this time last week, he was heading up exit meetings with his line coaches, going through meetings with players, saying this is what you need to work on and improve when you get back next season. For all... Yeah, in, in every respect, he was the head coach of the Fremantle Football Club right up until literally Friday when I was supposed to be interviewing him um, on that day. And then we pushed it back to this week um, wow. to to do it in the week of the best and fairest and sort of tap into the All-Australian squad. So in 48 hours, something has changed pretty significantly because on Monday he's gone. So from what I've sort of gathered um, in the past 24 hours is there was an end of season review this involved player feedback feedback from across the whole department really um, and the dockers have some reason come to this conclusion um, and said he's not, not no longer required and they want a different you know different lens different view different path going forward which is totally within their right but what I am still confused about is after speaking to the CEO Simon Garlick this morning um, on Tuesday we're speaking today he couldn't give me the findings or any sort of reason that came out of this end of season review as to why Trent could no longer be head coach it was like yeah we've we've decided to get rid of him but we can't say why do we do we need more accountability for these decisions Oh, that, that's a football question across everything. I always feel like administratively speak a lot more generally and make decisions and don't get held very accountable to having to explain and justify, whereas yep. a coach sits down after a game and you better know exactly your percentages, exactly everything, and within five minutes of sitting down and speaking to the media. But, yeah, I'm not surprised at all that admin is speaking generally. Yeah, and they've got to sort of, like, 
keep their head on and, and try not to say the wrong thing because they don't want to look or be judged for their decisions and they continue to be able to do that. But a head coach always has that where they're always judged for their actions and what they do and they often do take the flack for, for the football club and it's a tough it's a tough gig because you're sort of always in the spotlight and then when people that aren't in the spotlight aren't happy, they often get the final say. So it's an interesting way to look at it. So if they're restarting and refreshing, what do you reckon the targets are? Or sometimes when these things happen and they seem quite abrupt, it's because they already have someone lined up. But what, what do we reckon well, the targets are? funny you say that because I did put this question okay. to Simon. I, I read your minds. I was like, what would the girls want to ask Simon if they've got him on the phone? And he said, no, they absolutely don't have someone lined up and they're going to go through very extensive process. Of course, they've got a pretty long time to do that now with the, not se- the next season not being until August next year. But... If you have to look at targets, there's there's a f- Cara Antonio, freshly Too retired. Soon. Too, Too soon. soon. I'm stumped. That's it. Yeah. What, who else did we say in our group chat? <laughs> <laughs> I think we said Amy Lavelle, didn't we? Yeah, I think we are. I think that name got thrown on. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but no, yeah, who would be options? I guess locally, let alone this is where this is where it gets the, tough. The business is changing as well. We've, we've spoken once before about recruiting interstate players now yeah it is it, it could be coaches interstate as well if there's if that's the fix or if, if they're going to do due process they've got to go australia-wide surely i think they will i think they'll invite applicants from across the country um they said it's going to be far it's going to be wide we're going to find the best person for the job um another name that springs to mind lisa webb she was highly respected i think before she went across to the bulldogs um earlier this year but there's, there's, you know, names are going to emerge and some of them we might go, huh, what? And some of them will go, that's a great fit. They should, yeah, no wonder they're in contention. But uh, it sounds like they're going to try and do it as quickly as they can without rushing it, if that that I, just completely conflicted think, myself. But. <laughs> <laughs> I think whatever they do, they need to not just look at that one position. So I think it's really, really important as a football department, as an AFLW football department, that, yes, if you can get an experienced coach um, and you want an experienced coach like they may be heading for, they need the people around them that know women's football and, and have lived and played it and been part of that um, to be part of it. So someone like Juddy, if she's not going to be a head coach, you need someone like her as a senior assistant who, who's lived and breathed AFLW and knows what's required and sets a professional standard. They're the sort of people that you want at the club in order to build a better culture and a um, a more professional standard um, rather than continuing to go with other people that may be from the men's side and putting them in just because they are experienced. But are they experienced in the right areas? Yeah, that's a great point. I think if you're going to go down the restart and refresh, you've got to build the entire house properly and the experience in the women's game is is really vital. I agree with you. That's a great point. So that rules out my prediction of David Mundy then? It doesn't mean he can't be, oh, he's got mean he can't be in there. Him, I just, that was a throw at the yeah. stumps. I was like, oh, you know who else is recently retired? Yeah. <laughs> and has a lot of experience, but Absolutely. not quite in the women's space. Sorry, I think David. It's, it's a mix, isn't it? It's finding that balance of both, and that brings the credibility across all those areas. So, anyway, I wish them luck because it's not been fun watching both WA teams not do well in season seven. So, I'm looking forward to season eight, hopefully. Fingers crossed as I say that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's take a look at the finals just gone with our two-minute warning. 
kick things off with the Friday night clash between Melbourne and Adelaide. This was an absolute belter. Um, in that first quarter, I was just thinking, how the hell are Adelaide going to keep up this intensity for a full match? Because they were throwing absolutely everything at the Ds, got them on the hop, kicked the first three goals, and then suddenly the Ds dominated for the next three quarters. Um, what, what do we make of this? And do we think the Demons are now leading the pack or are they still a step behind Brisbane, Amy? Um, I think Melbourne are still uh, my probably favourite. Um, if you look at form from the weekend out of Melbourne and Brisbane, Melbourne's form was definitely um, better than Brisbane's. Um, but I think Brisbane at their best, maybe. Um, but I think Melbourne were just too classy for, for Adelaide. As you said, Adelaide's intensity was right up in that first half. Um, but Melbourne, like, they had the composure, they had the experience in order to just bring things back on their terms um, and they played a really clinical game in that second half and, and I reckon they're very, very dangerous coming into the later part of the finals. So I obviously watched the games from a much lesser um, nuanced area than you two do, but did I did I miss something structurally or out of the personnel? What changed at quarter time or even at half time? The way Adelaide started and the lead that they had and then the fact they got shut down completely for three quarters and, and Melbourne just ran off with it, did, did I miss a, a big major change? It's a great question. How's our specialist coach going <laughs> down the line to answer that one? <laughs> um, I, I don't think anything changed too much. I think they were playing on Adelaide's terms. So they um, Adelaide were really uh, jumping on the ball and trying to get it forward, speed it forward really, really fast. It was really different to their normal gameplay. Um, and Melbourne was sort of trying to match that and it wasn't working for them. And then I think in the second half, they sort of just started to play their kick um, mark game, bring the ball in and then rush the ball forward with their handball game. Um, and they obviously that helped them be more composed and obviously get the ball forward and score. Um, whereas I just think they played into Adelaide's hands early on and then they realised, wait, we don't have to do that. We can control the play and control the play through our ball movement. I was going to say, I thought the, the tagging job, Shelley Heath again, laying another scalp with Anne Hatchard, I thought. And I think she got 16 disposals in the end, but still. And not Chelsea a, Randall best. needs to str- put the old latch, um, electric tape over her laces if this is something that continues to happen, that she trips over her laces. Yeah, that was bizarre, wasn't yes. it? <laughs> Come on, Chelsea, be better. <laughs> All right, Brisbane and Richmond up at Metricon. Um, I thought this was, you know, the result we expected. We expected Brisbane are the minor premiers. They're the best team in the competition all season. Richmond, although they beat them earlier in the year, I wasn't expecting them to go and do the same um, up in up in the Gold Coast and up in Queensland, and that's exactly how it unfolded. So am I a genius? Oh, or? You are a genius. Yeah, thank you. There You're we go. But I just think that Richmond, they're not going to lay too many more shots against these high-ranked teams. No, they're just a step behind, I think. Two things for me. Um... Katie Brennan, KB, kicking three goals just proves that if she'd gotten more games in under a belt, I might have been a chance for her as, <laughs> as the leading goal You're kicker. You're a genius. <laughs> um, but the other thing for me, and again, um, like it's a stupid cricket cliche, but you always say catches win matches. And when I watch Brisbane, I feel like their forward line are cleaner and they're better at marking, presenting, leading, marking. Um, and I don't know, it made me think, and Cotter's, I'm going to pick your brain again, but is, is there a a focus purely on the art of marking or catching, as I would refer to it from a fielding coach specialist area. But, yeah, like, because some teams just cannot seem to mark it. They just, yeah, it doesn't happen. 
Yeah, I think like obviously at training and those sort of things, you do work on contested marking and, and one-on-ones and, and those sort of things. But um, it's difficult to emulate for in a game sense. So a lot of girls misread the flight of the ball, which affects the way that they mark the ball. And I think um, Brisbane's forwards in Wardlaw and um, Dakota, Dakota Davidson is one of the best contested marks because she actually reads the flight of the ball and gets it at its highest point. So um, it's difficult to train that and it's difficult to teach the girls and it takes time, um, but it's definitely something that needs to be looked at in the off-season because there are a lot of... A lot of drop marks, um, especially, I've noticed, especially this season. Moving on now to Geelong and North and Amy, I know you have a lot to say about this game, <laughs> but Jenny is staring at me. She, apparently she's been talking up this gag she's got to start it's, off this don't, segment. Don't say it's a gag, but just take my phone. So, so I now th- have her phone. So you can go through, click on the top Melbourne versus... Adelaide. Okay, we're on the fixtures on the OFW app. And then when you look at the videos bit, what's the first thing that comes up? And then scroll across to the second. Match replay. And then highlights. And then highlights. Okay. If Trust me, the second one says the same. Go to the third game. Go Geelong. <laughs> okay, we're on Geelong, North Melbourne. Match. Replay. Replay. <laughs> Press conference. No highlights. <laughs> there's, there's not been a highlights video <laughs> uploaded. <laughs> Anyway, that all. was a great gag. Good, good thing our listeners can see exactly what we just went through. <laughs> they can check it out themselves on AFW app. You won't find the highlights within the same spot usually. They're hiding it. <laughs> I wouldn't put it on there either. I wouldn't want that to be a highlight of AFLW. If someone had never watched a game before, they might never watch one again. <sighs> Your thoughts, Cotters, because you know, I know you've got some. Oh, my goodness. That was – oh, my goodness. That was possibly the worst game I've ever seen of AFLW, to be honest with you. Really? Um, the worst? For one, of, one of the most frustrating games. Um, I had been out, you know, at, at the pub the afternoon for, for a couple of drinks with some friends and I thought, oh, I'll come home and I'll put the replay on. I'll watch the game. It'll be a good game. And that was uh, – couple hours I'll never get back unfortunately so I probably should have stayed at the pub but um yeah I'm really getting annoyed with the negative coaching um in AFLW um the biggest most alarming thing I noticed on that game on the weekend was uh Geelong had a spare defender and so North Melbourne obviously equalized with a spare defender but the game the way the game was played in the middle didn't allow any goal scoring because they had a spare in each on each end. So if you're going to play a spare defender, you need to control the footy because if you're just going to blast away and kick it forward, it's just going to be a game of pinball. So And that's what it was. It was really difficult to watch. The skills were really poor, and I think the skills were poor as a result of the negative coaching that was happening. Um, and all North Melbourne needed to do was just man up, and they would have probably scored another three goals, I would think. But, yeah, it was really tough to watch. Feel free to ask for an edited version of this chat because that's your job application right there. <laughs> that, that piece of analysis is so right true. There. But the other thing, just quickly, is the pressure was pretty huge as well. I think that was probably a factor. Both sides were applying a lot of pressure. Um, but before Cotters has the chance to challenge me on that, again, let's move on. <laughs> And the final game of the weekend, Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs. Probably tips. I think we all tipped Collingwood heading into this one, but the Doggies gave them a very decent run for their money. Um, I probably thought the Magpies at one stage looked like they were going to run, run away with it, but the Bulldogs just 
didn't go away. But now I think the thing for the Magpies is all their injury concerns. They were battered and bruised at the end of this one. Yeah, it goes, I think that's when Bulldogs got back in the game. There was a couple of big hits on the Collingwood players and they were obviously uh, running out of people on the bench for certain periods of that time. And um, Bulldogs just got a run on and they couldn't stop it. But I think they'd done enough work in the early stages of that game to obviously hold on. And um, Eliza James with four, four goals in a final, she was the best that I've Electric, seen of yeah. her. Yeah, so she was really cool to watch. Um, sort of, she really got them into it, and that's what they've lacked probably all season is someone to score and to score a lot of goals for them. And um, she stood up for them, which was very helpful. But I, yeah, I think they're going to struggle next week with um, injuries. They still kicked 10 behinds as well, mm. which is something that against the Melbournes, against the Brisbane's, you know, getting further and further up the table, I think you have to take every opportunity and make it count for the maximum. So if they're a bit bruised and battered, that might be a step too far. But if they can fix that as well, then they'll challenge. We'll just take a look at this weekend quickly. And first of all, all Australian squad was released this morning. Um, From a WA point of view, we've got Kiara Bowers and Emma Swanson who have been the sole eagle and docker to make it which is a little bit embarrassing and probably sums up the season our two clubs have had but there was no one else putting their hand up um and from Brisbane five players made the squad which is the most out of the competition probably sums up the season they had on the ladder but do we think Swanson or Bowers will make the final cut Amy I'll I'll introduce you so you can talk (laughs) sorry I think I think I think both of them should make it um, based on their numbers. I think they won't. Um, I hope they do, but um, the likes of sort of uh, – I was surprised that Ashradell didn't make it on that list either. So there's obviously a really good crop of, of midfielders in AFLW and it's a tough spot to sort of um, pick. But I do think that both girls probably deserve to be in the team. Yeah, I, yeah. How about I, you, Jen? Well, I, I think Swanson potentially even, this might sound weird, a little bit more than Bowers. I, I sometimes think with Bowers, from watching her across this year, she's a tackle beast, obviously, and I give that huge tick. So if there's a spot for someone who purely gets to the ball and shuts it down, then, then pick her. But one thing for me when I was watching, I just didn't think her ball use was as elite and as maybe it was because the rest of the team wasn't making it look as good. I don't know, but I thought that might be something perception-wise that might keep her out at the final. I side. think she was just so tired from carrying the rest of the side that she couldn't make those hit those yeah, targets because she was running around everywhere on the field. Yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> but she, Fair to, my most disparity is to be number one in clearances and number one in tackles. Like that's just um, a really strange stat yeah. when you think about it. So first to the ball. Yeah. But also not first to the ball because she's tackling yeah. people. Yeah, so yeah, gets gets the ball and then does she to someone does she get them. it? Yeah, does <laughs> like she exactly do that? She's like, oh, I haven't had quite enough tackles today. <laughs> Win the clearance handball off to my opponent. <laughs> <Bang. laughs> but Kiara. yeah, if you look at her actual stats without efficiency, she's had her best numbers. So okay. yeah. she's probably had one of her best season in terms of statistically. Um, but I do agree with you with her efficiency. Probably was down um, this year compared to previous seasons. But I think she's obviously probably had to do a lot more workload than usual but Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if she's a 
sort of smoky for that AFLW towards the end of the season. She might rack up a few three voters. So, um, Especially in the losing games. The coaches yeah. rated her in the losing games. So a bit of a watch this space on that. The big omissions for me were Kirsty Lamb and Talia Randall were both left out of the squad. I've seen their names thrown up um, a bit. I'm a big Lammy fan. Lamb. Mm. Lamb for dinner. I think uh, again. I think again. You've got in uh, the midfield. It's a tough. It's a tough um, position to sort of crack into that squad. So she might have just missed out. But um, I don't know. Like you look at it every year, and then you think later, and you go, "Oh, what about her? And what about her?" But um, it's sort of tough to sort of put it positionally because so many girls that are the best players in their team, most of them are playing in the midfield. I'm just trying to think. Did I accidentally misread Randall instead of Riddell? Just or maybe. Let me have a quick look. I just had maybe. A I yeah. Just for the sake of me not making an idiot out of myself, um, Jen can fact check that while we quickly <laughs> just get some tips for this weekend's finals. And I've had another mind blank. Who's playing who? <laughs> uh, no, the only Randall is Chelsea Randall. Okay. Cool. So. I'm doing really well today. I can't remember who was in the AA squad and I can't remember who's playing who I've this weekend. I've got you. So this weekend, Saturday 12th of November, is Richmond, North Melbourne. Yeah, that huge 2,000-seat crowd. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll have a great time with that. Also clashes with uh, Matilda's game and WBBL. So What a missed yeah. opportunity. Massive miss. I can't believe it. And then everyone's saying Richmond are hypocrites. And I'm like, I agree. Like, mm. you can't you know, demand the biggest and best stadiums for yourselves, um, you know, refuse to go to Marvel Stadium in the men's AFL and then suddenly, oh, no, we'll, we'll take the 2,000 win- supporters, thanks. Yeah, exactly. Who wins it? I think Richmond. I'm going to go North. Yeah, I'm going to go Richmond, I think. Stick with the team above. And Adelaide and Collingwood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Crows at home. The Crows at home will be too strong. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think they'll be too strong. Um, Collingwood be a bit tired. They obviously had to work a little bit harder towards the end of that game. Um, and I think Adelaide will just be that little bit more hungry. Agreed. I think um, Adelaide as well. Great. So we have the big three making it through to the prelims. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. <laughs> All right. That is another hard ball gets for this special warning. No, scary What's the word I use? Special takeover? Yeah, special takeover. Emergency. Emergency Emergency meeting. Yep. (laughs) This podcast was brought to you by the new Mazda VT50 SP, the complete package. We we might see you later on in finals. We think we're going to do a grand final preview to round out the season. Um, So we'll see you then. See you then.